0: Is the uh, Matt Mosley Show, most listened to show in McLennan County, all surrounding counties, Bell County. I mean, let's get into limestone, let's do some things. Uh, John Denton now joining us, that the longtime uh, radio analyst for the Frogs, former TCU football player and um, ace reporter uh, for the uh, head of this iron skillet game. Uh, John, have you found higher ground? We were experiencing some issues earlier. Uh, sound off, please.
1: Well, first off, I just want to say hello to all my fans in China Springs because that's, uh, that's, a, that's a big, big, big constituency for me down there. I went to Baylor camp there back in the late 60s and uh, have always loved the uh, the, the middle uh, bosky River. So, howdy to everybody in China Springs. Anyway, oh, you- I can explain. I, I can explain what's happening. Are you Are you following me now? You got me?
0: Yes. Yes, you sound All right. great.
1: All right, great. Well, that's the first time anybody's ever said that. But anyway, here's the deal. <laughs> I mean, you mentioned back to the days of the, you know, the Pony Express and Frog Fever in the early 80s. I, I played against them four times. Went 0 for 4, okay? Well, <laughs> this year, this rivalry has now gotten back to where it was back in the day when like frog players would say something uh, on channel four news and it would run one night and then channel four would be at the SMU campus the next day. And Craig James would have something to say back to our nose tackle. And, you know, it was kind of the, the old fashioned era. That was, that was kind of what social media was back then. Anyway, the problem with my cell phone is (laughs) that we believe that SMU has hired some Russian you know, Secret Service people, and they are jamming our transmissions on campus. And I had to get, <laughs> I had to get off campus so I could talk to you on my cell phone. I mean, they, we have widespread cell issues on campus, and mm. it started on Monday. I'm, I'm fully laying at the feet of maybe the ghost of Ron Meyer floating around. Um, oh, you know, man. Mustang Mania. I mean, we were having serious technical cellular issues on campus, so I had to get had to get off campus so we could file this very critical and and uh, you know radio uh, Marconi Emmy uh, Marconi winning report. So
0: yeah, we're uh, we certainly are off to a good start. Boy, Ron Meyer conjures all sorts of memories, and in in, in later years I would run into Mike Ford. Well, oh, yes. you probably played against uh, I, I don't I mean, you probably played against Lance and maybe you caught the end of Mike's uh, career as well but Mike I mean yeah. for a, for a kid uh, growing up in Kaufman County uh, watching those games and seeing the Pony Express that was uh, that was pretty amazing and and I still when I see a high school quarterback try to do the option and the ball come out of there you know if they wait till just the right moment. And the ball comes out of there. I mean, I think a Lance um, yeah. McElhaney because I, there was there were faster quarterbacks out there that played at, at at Oklahoma, of course. But as far as executing the pitch, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody quite as good as it as as Lance was. He could be get blown up while pitching it, and it was almost always right on target.
1: Oh yeah, I mean he was he was one of the best. You know, he wasn't the biggest guy, kind of a actually kind of a little squatty body quarterback. Kind of you know right there along with like Rob Moore shell I mean they seemed to have a, a cloning machine at Highland Park back in the day. All those guys would come out of there that were about five ten, about two oh five, and they could run the option, and that you know it were that were really good athletes. But yeah, I mean he was one of the best, and really I mean you talk about back to the old days of of. Uh, Pony Express, when they inserted Lance McElhaney in that offense and really started to concentrate on running the football, and then, you know, they, they didn't sweat a whole lot. When they did, it was to a wide out or to a big tight end on a little seam pattern. They didn't do a lot of deep ball stuff. That's when that program took off. They beat Texas and Austin on that October day in 1980, and they never looked back. I mean, they were as good as I've ever seen up close and in person.
0: All right. I, I I want to get your take on, on getting to know Sonny Dykes now. And I assume you probably crossed paths with him uh, over the years. You having played in the SWC and know and known his dad, what has, um, what, you know, it, it's gotta be, obviously he's a way different personality than Gary. Um and I'm sure, like any change, you know, it's, oh, it's refreshing. Oh, this is completely different. But it, do you see it? Is, it? is it very overt, all the changes in the program? Is it, like, almost jolting how different it is? Or is it? are these changes that have taken place more subtle?
1: No, it's it's been completely different from day one. I mean, you know, Gary old school. Uh, you know, he, he would coach kids up hard. This is, a, this is a different approach. A, a young staff and and a head coach that operates. Uh, he's very involved, but he operates as a CFO or CEO, and let's just let's his his coaches coach. They're they're about making sure that the kids are healthy, and they're everything they do is aimed at making sure that their football team is is in as good a shape and as good a position to win on Saturday as they can possibly be. I mean they're. They're trying to put a lot of emphasis on nutrition and injury prevention. And, you know, if you're going to get somebody hurt, get them hurt, you know, Saturday in Dallas against SMU. Don't get them hurt in the middle drill on Tuesday afternoon. They're in the shadow of Amon G. Carter Stadium. So it is a lot different. They work out early in the morning. Practice is in the morning now. Uh, They're on the field by 8 o'clock. Everything's done and finished and the business is put away for the day by eleven o'clock in the morning. And then they go to class and then they've got some other things they've got to do, but they know they've got to be in bed early because that six o'clock wake up call comes comes pretty early for this football team. now, So it's, it's a different, different approach. And, uh, you know, it's also now a program that is fully and completely 24 seven combing the transfer portal and, and they're all about, you know, from a, from a player personnel standpoint, seeing where they can improve their roster day in, day out.
0: Well, and I, and I wanted to ask you about what you've seen so far. I've been focused on these Bears. Uh, you know, Duggan is a guy we've watched for years. Uh, I, you all remember, sadly, at least for us what Chandler Morris did to the Bears last year like what how how has it been with Sonny I mean he's known as a quarterback whisperer uh in a sense and, but but that was one of the things with Gary Gary couldn't quite get that quarterback position solidified there for a few years um has Sonny seemingly brought some stability to that part of the team and and uh and 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 how's the uh, how's the offense looking overall so
1: far well, you know, I mean the quarterback toughest position to play in college football. And you know, Gary was a guy that you know, he, he coached people up hard, no matter what. He'd tell you that, whether they were a linebacker, nose, tackle, quarterback, or kicker. I mean he's gonna they don't perform to the level You know, I think Sonny's approach is let's let's get as many skilled people on the field as is possible, get the best players on the field, and give the quarterbacks an opportunity to succeed. And then part two is let's build up their confidence and and give them confidence and let them know that we believe in them. And I think that's been probably the biggest difference, especially for Max Duggan because everybody has said, well, he can't throw the ball. He's no good throwing the football. Other night against Tarleton, I don't care if he had been playing Alabama, Texas, or Baylor. Max Duggan is going to win if he keeps throwing the football the way he did against Charlton State. I mean, he he made some throws. Charlton did a good job in spots, in coverage, and he put the ball right on the money. Best throwing game that he's had of his career, five touchdowns through the air. And I think that, that speaks to Garrett Riley and Sonny Dykes and the approach they're taking. Now, Chandler Morris won the job because he could throw the deep ball better. And you know when he gets healthy, they, he's not going to play this week. But when he gets healthy in a couple of weeks, you know you may you may see the uh, two quarterback system again if if we hit the hit the skids down the road against OU or Kansas. And um, you know, boy, who'd ever thought? Uh, you know, I knew that this week and next week were going to be interesting. SMU and then OU back to back. Now we're looking at this triple play of SMU, OU, and now Kansas, which all of a sudden looks like they're world beaters, but that's a whole other story. I mean, it's it's going to be an interesting three weeks around TCU for sure. Well,
0: How about that Leipold? That is uh, amazing. Talking to John Denton, the uh, uh, analyst. Boy, does basketball, does football. A man for all seasons, we call him. Played at TCU uh, and is getting ready to cover this exciting game. A tough ticket. In fact, uh, uh, SMU announces this morning that it is a sellout. Uh, Joe Hoyt over at the Morning News put something up a little bit ago that somebody's tried to sell a couple of tickets for $65,000. That's the dumbest <laughs> thing. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, if you pay.
1: <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, this everybody's been talking. Even Gary Patterson used to say, oh, we need SMU to be good. Okay, well. SMU has beat us two years in a row now. And now, Frog fans, you know, they've got their horns up. SMU's got their ears up. You know, there's all these storylines. Sonny Dykes is going back into the octagon, so to speak, and SMU's going to be ready for him. And, you know, it's – Sonny had a great line yesterday in his presser. I don't know if you saw this or not, but he was just asked point blank about it. He said, you know what, I get what SMU's – all. you know, what they're – what they're upset about. He goes, if I was a fan and I bought a ticket, I'd be booing me too. So he, <laughs> he, he gets it. I mean, little little bit of spike coming out there in uh, Sunny Dykes. But, I mean, that was a great line, and it's it's true. I think Sonny knows, you know, what what's going to happen. And, you know, he's, he's looking forward to getting out there and getting through the first quarter and letting the dust settle and the emotions settle a little bit and then getting to it. But you made a point earlier – about quarterback play, and I think that's probably one of the big keys in this game for TCU. The last two times these teams have played and SMU prevailed, SMU outplayed TCU at the quarterback position. It wasn't defense. It wasn't coverage. The quarterback was the difference. Shane Bouchel beat them two years ago. Mordecai beat them last year. And the TCU defense is going to have to do a good job locking down on Rasheed Rice, going to have to keep a handle on Mordecai. don't let him send everybody down the field on deep routes and then just take off running like he likes to do. They're gonna to have to be very good with contain and that's that's gonna be a challenge for this three man front that TCU's now installed. The old four two five is out the door and Joe Gillespie, the new defensive coordinator who came in from Tulsa, has put in this three three five and uh with a three man front there are some spaces to work if you allow it. So the uh the front and those linebackers, four linebackers, going to have to be really, really good on Saturday.
0: All right. The iron skillet went missing for like 40 years or something. And then the yep. skillet. The skillet, and that would have been around, like, 1946 or something. This all kind of started. And then at some point, the skillet kind of went away. And I'm fascinated with the whole – now, remind me. The first skillet, it was – because a woman from TCU – I was watching. I looked this up. You'll be proud of me. She was an archivist, they they said. And she looked up, and there was, like, some way back – like, the rivalry started in, like, 1915. But several years later, some guy came up with that, like the skillet was going to be the trophy. But now, remind us all why why it was cho- why the skillet was was the chosen trophy of, of of you know this became the Iron Skillet game.
1: Well, you know, supposedly I now, mean, and I'm I got to I got. I'm gonna you know I, I'm raising my right in. I'm I'm swearing in. If I was in a court of law and I got questions <laughs> on this, you know, here we are, the Honorable Matt Mosley presiding. I'd have to say I played, I was in the program at TCU five years, played against SMU for four years. Nobody ever mentioned a skillet or a frying pan or Teflon coating or any lore related to cast iron to me while I was in school playing. So supposedly back in the forties, somebody was cooking frog legs in a skillet or something and. That became a bone of contention and the next thing you know it's it's a trophy that's being played for between <laughs> SMU and TCU. Nobody nobody ever heard of the skillet in the modern era until the late nineties when TCU and SMU had both been ushered off to the WAC after the Southwest Conference broke up. And Frank Wendiger, the A D at, at SMU or at TCU and I Lord knows who was it at SMU at the time, I don't know Force Gregg or whoever. All of a sudden in '96 or '97, here's this skillet that's going to be played for that they put a brass plaque on, and you know now there's all this history behind it. I mean, I I have to question really where it came from, where where it went. How do you lose a trophy for that long <laughs> if it was a, a truly a post-war? deal i mean i, I think I, I put that somewhere between you know the the brass hat that texas and OU play for and the tooth fairy i think that's i think that's where the the skillet falls somewhere in there but nonetheless there's a skillet sitting in smu's trophy case and by golly the the horned lizards are ready to haul it back to fort
0: worth the tcu people rather beat smu or baylor like, if they had to pick between the two, I mean, obviously, the TCU-SMU thing, I think we, I, I, I don't know. The Baylor-TCU thing became, like, a great thing, especially in the, in the Bryles-Gary era. And, it, I mean, it, it really gained some steam. And, of course, it goes way, way back as well. We're talking, like, 100 years. But would TCU people, if we put that to them, say, you can beat SMU this year or beat Baylor, who would they rather beat?
1: You know, I think I think it depends on where the program is at the time. I mean, both programs—it's kind—it's of, kind of like that whack-a-mole that you used to pour quarters into over at George's back in your undergrad days. You know, you'd walk in there and you'd get you a big O at George's, and you'd be hammering that whack-a-mole machine. You know, I think I think right now the whack-a-mole that TCU fans would be after would be SMU because they have emerged and. You know, there's there's uh, suddenly a little bit of a boil to the bad bad blood. I think I think that series right now is a little more heated than TCU Baylor. Not that TCU and Baylor ain't gonna get everybody's attention come early November, but it's not like it was when when Gary was at TCU and Art was at Baylor. I think this this SMU thing has got uh, a lot of TCU fans' attention, especially. Since SMU took their flag and planted it in the middle of the field at Eamon Carter Stadium last year, under the direction of our now head coach, so I think <laughs> I think I think the whack a mole that needs hitting is the uh, the pony head. And then uh, you know, check with me in November, and I'll I'll give you the, the temperature on on uh, on rivalry whack a mole then again.
0: Well, John, it was great. I'm so glad we got you to higher ground. You sounded yep. wonderful, and, uh, and that, that, worked out. that worked out beautifully, and I hope you get that cell service figured out over there on campus. I'm very concerned about that. But uh, right. uh, I hope all the uh, Frogs have a safe trip over to Dallas and that uh, you enjoy what should be a really fun matchup on Saturday.
1: Well, I I'm, I'm going to I'm heading to Dallas right now to do a little spy work myself. We're going to see. I've got a big pair of bolt cutters. We're going to see if we can cut some cut some of the cell tower lines over near the SMU campus because, you know, I mean, all's fair in love and war, right?
0: Yeah, it uh that is the case. Does SMU still run the pony out there? I was just thinking about it. They don't let a lot of live animals at games anymore. Do they still do they still get the guys out there and let them run around the field with the pony?
1: Yeah, yeah, they they take Peruna okay. and they run him around. I mean, TCU setting and making history. By the way, I mean, in two of our first three games, for the first time ever in program history, we're going to have four-legged animals running around on the field before the game and whatnot. I mean, we've we had Ralphie two weeks ago at Colorado, and now we've got Peruna Saturday in Dallas. So,
0: you know, <laughs> I mean,
1: I I'm thinking in November. At McLean Stadium, we need to have you and the judge, whatever judge number 53 or whatever his number is now, I think we need to see you running that bear out there from goal line to goal line. I'd pay good money to see that.
0: Would love love to do it. The bear used to get out there and drink Dr. Pepper, and then the PETA folks got a hold of us, and they do not let the bears in that environment anymore. So, uh you know but I, I do love it love shasta the cougar all the live animals of the old swc i really appreciate it it'll be great to have the the uh, cougar back in the conference all right uh john always fun and uh have a great call on saturday
1: all right we will talk to you soon and uh take care of everybody along uh the brazos river valley there will you we'll
0: do it we'll do it there he goes john Denton, long time uh he was a player at tcu now the uh, analyst, he and Brian Estridge have all the, call all the games. They're on BAP, IMG Learfield Radio, uh, TCU Horn Frogs. Okay, um, let's get into the 5 o'clock hour, and we've got a really cool uh, interview